0: Welcome in to the At The Art Podcast. Today's guest is Golden West College head coach Drew Ramos, who shares his story about walking away from the game a couple times before getting back into coaching, going from the J.C. level to D1, back to the J.C., and finally being named the head coach at Golden West College just a few months ago. All that and much more on episode 56 of the At The Art Podcast. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. Really excited about today's guest. Golden West College head coach Drew Ramos joins me. Drew, man, thanks for making some time.
1: What's up, Les? How you doing, man? Appreciate it.
0: I'm doing well, man. It's, uh, it's, you know, as well as we can during this time. I mean, like like everybody else, you know, I'm sure this is, you know, pretty tough time for you as well. And, I mean, you did get a little bit of good news there back in May, and uh, we'll get into that. But, you know, what sort of things are you doing to keep yourself busy?
1: Um, I have a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son, so <laughs> that's about all I got time for. <laughs> yeah. Um, my wife's a seventh-grade uh, middle school teacher, a uh, English teacher, so she's been busy. You know, we've been trying to balance, you know, our, our schedules, being at home with the kids, and yeah, man, it's a it's a grind for sure.
0: Yeah, no no doubt. And well, you know, let's jump in, man, because you know you, you got a pretty unique story to tell here, and I'm really excited that uh, you were willing to share it with us and. Uh, you know, let, let's go back to your, let's go back to, you You know, kind of your, your growing up there, right? You were uh, native of Long Beach. Uh, you know, you ended up playing your high school ball at Long Beach Poly, three-year varsity starter, all-league guy as a second baseman. And, uh, you know, that experience, you know, playing at Poly, uh, you know, it's obviously very well known for just about every other sport but baseball. But, you know, you guys had some success, excuse me, some success while you were there. Uh, you know, what was that experience like just kind of playing in, in the shadow, if you will, of some of those other programs in your league?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I grew up born and raised Long Beach and was always a, a poly fan of their football and track and basketball and things like that. Um, obviously I knew when I was younger, you know, Tony Gwynn went there and, and Chase Sutley went there. Uh, Milton Bradley went there. So there was, there was some baseball players, but as far as the team success, um, not much at all. Um when my senior year in two thousand two we actually we actually made the playoffs for the first time in the program since nineteen eighty five. Um we actually jumped on the back of, of our best player James McDonald and made a run to the CIS semifinals. Um the first time that school had been that far since nineteen sixty eight. Um so yeah man it was it, it was fun. It was exciting to to get the support that we did back then. Um <clears throat> we <laughs> Tony Gwynn Field was as crowded as, it, as it's ever been. So, yeah, man, it was, it was fun, a really good experience. And, you know, I, I always cherish those memories.
0: Yeah, and, and so after you leave Long Beach Poly, this is where I think your story gets this really interesting, right? You, you decide to head over to, to Golden West <clears throat> and, and you played in the fall and, 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 and you decided to, to quit, right? I mean, you, you decided to walk away from the game and yeah, you talk yeah, about man. that so growing
1: up you know baseball was a love of mine all sports were. i played everything but i really had a you know a a knack and passion for 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 baseball grew up always being a shortstop and pitcher and things like that um as a sophomore in varsity i was a a pitcher starting pitcher po junior and soft then i actually got hurt a little bit for the arm but that's not here nor there but i ended up being a second base in my junior senior years and you know we were was good played baseball had fun and was good at it but Didn't really put a lot of work or effort into it um, outside of just organized practice and things like that. Like for instance, when I graduated senior year, decided to go to Golden West. I didn't do anything that summer. I legit remember going the day before school started and going to the Lakewood batting cage, just taking some swings and showing up to campus. (laughs) You know, which obviously is gonna cut it. And you know, I got here and I realized pretty quickly that there was a lot more work and and effort than I think I was willing to put in. And there were some some good kids here that were. That I were honestly better than me, um, but I had a unique situation because my my best friend at the time, James McDonald, who was a uh, eleventh round draft pick, he came to to go West with me, and I knew that you know we were tied together, and I kind of got a sense that maybe I was here just because of him. And I walked into Bert, our head coach's office, and I said, "Hey, Bert, you know, um, you know, I, I don't want to be treated fairly or unfairly or given privilege because I'm friends with James," you know treat us separately. Like me being here doesn't affect that blah, blah, blah. A couple weeks later, you know, he said I was going to redshirt and I I agreed. And then at the end of the semester, I just thought about it. And I was like, I I don't have the drive to do this, you know, to sit around and redshirt and things like that. So uh, I decided to quit without telling anybody really, other than I walked in the office told Bert. I came home that day early. My mom was like, why are you here? And I said, well, I quit. And her jaw dropped and, (laughs) You know, I, I called my high school coaches and told them that I was done and their jaw dropped. And a few months later, they actually asked me if I wanted to come coach that spring of 2003 at Poly a year after graduating.
0: So, I mean, what what was the mindset? I mean, was it just you didn't, like, have the, the passion anymore for baseball or was it just I, I had the, the unwillingness I to, to do the work?
1: I didn't have the work ethic then, man. Like, we, we didn't lift weights at Poly. We, we literally, it wasn't, I loved my time there, but it wasn't the most structured of things. You know, we know we, were just good, and we played it because we were, you know, we did well because we had good players, but the extra effort wasn't there, and I got here to Golden West, and it was, you know, it was five days a week. It was a weight room. It was the, you know, the school. It was everything, and I just, you know, and there was kids that were better than me, which I had never been on the field before, where there was possibly nine to 15 kids better than me, and it was apparent that that was the case here, you know, combined with talent and, you know, work ethic, and the thought of registering and being here every day and not playing as a freshman, like just, it it wasn't something at that point that resonated with me. You know, it was just like, I'm going to go work and and go to school closer to home and kind of move on with life. And I was actually okay with it. Oddly enough.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's the most important part, right? Is like being okay with making a decision that's going to, I mean, could change your life, right? But you yeah. get you get back in the game. You talk about it. I mean, you're you're what 19 years old, a year removed from, from poly, and you're, I'm, and you're I'm a varsity assistant.
1: I'm I'm 18. Like I turned 18 in December of my first year in college. I was young. I graduated 17, and I'm there. And you know, it's kids I played with, obviously that respected me. I was you know I was a team captain on the team, and then but the big thing was there was a, a really good group of freshmen that were uh, on the team that year. Um, and I did it just because it was, I'd always been in baseball. I hadn't been a dugout in forever, but I remember showing up to Blair for the first league game against Lakewood. And I'm standing there in uniform and Spud O'Neill the legend at Lakewood <laughs> walks up and goes, the hell are you doing here? And I, he's like, I thought you graduated last year. And I go, I did. And he goes, he was confused. I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm playing. So, you know, for people that knew me, it was, a, it was a surprise and a shock just because baseball had been such a big part of my life. But I just, I don't know. I it, I, I knew that my playing days were done you know and i could have held on and found a way to obviously contribute a couple of years at golden west and maybe go lower level but i just didn't have the the desire the time to do it you know
0: yeah man and so you spend your your year at poly but then after the what happens after that one year I man cuz you you're out of the game now for yes. 5 6 years after that so i
1: coached that one year and it just you know it, i don't know i didn't want to do it i got into uh it didn't pay obviously very well um but <laughs> I got a, a job as a college student assistant. At, I mean, uh, at a at a middle school in LBUSD, and did that and finished my AA at, at Long Beach City College, and you know, then I moved on to Long Beach State and didn't finish school then. And then I got a job working for AT&T for three years. And you fast forward to two, summer of 2009, and uh, a friend that I, you know, a guy I hadn't made friends with in my short time at Golden West and still been in touch with was Corey Vanderhook, and he contacts me in the summer of 09 and him and his dad, Randy were coaching the long beach Cardinals, which they've been a part of for years yeah. and asked if I wanted to come, you know, coach Connie Mack with them. And I said, yeah, man, you know, I was still involved in the game where, you know, I had friends that were playing, you know, friends that were in college baseball, moved on to pro ball, a friend that thought, friend that was in the big league. So I was still around the game and involved and intrigued, but I just didn't work in it. Um, and I started coaching with, with him that summer with him and Ra- Corey and Randy. And incidentally enough, that summer too, I got a phone call from, one of my best friend's moms who had a son at poly and said hey they're looking for a freshman coach would you want to do it i said yeah i gave toby Hess a phone call who was the head coach at the poly time who's not marina we interviewed and yeah i started coaching freshman baseball in the fall of 09 you know for my first season was was spring of 10 and uh i got blessed with a really good team <laughs> that freshman team i had had my shortstop end up at sc the second baseman played at Houston Baptist, the source. I've also played pro ball, so we were we were a really good team. And I thought coaching was easy at that point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moved on and coached JV baseball there in ten, and uh, I mean in, in eleven and twelve, and I was back in the game.
0: Yeah, and then and then, so what happens in twenty twelve? Right, because I mean you kind of had a, kind of an epiphany, if you will, right, and said, "Hey, uh, I'm done."
1: Yeah. So it's twenty twelve. I've been doing it for three years, and you know. at the- at that point, I'm what, 27 and I have a girlfriend who's, you know, pretty serious and she has her career and everything. And I'm just like, well, this isn't really going anywhere. It was fun, but, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get a job elsewhere and just coach Connie Mack kind of deal. Um, I actually went and applied for a job with AAA to sell insurance. I had an interview. I thought I went really, really well. That was on a Thursday. Um, I got a me- piece of mail on Monday saying, thanks for your your time and consideration, but we'll be going elsewhere. I was, I was devastated. I was crushed. I thought, you know, that was going to be a really good job for me. I was going to have a career finally. And literally that Tuesday, the next day, I got a phone call from Bert Villarreal at Golden West talking to me. And he was like, hey, man, like, I'd love to bring you on. And the rest is kind of history, man.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, that's awesome, right? Like, you go from being in- – I mean, in the dumps, right? I mean, you, you don't get this job that you really wanted to the next day. You know, your former head coach calls you and says, hey, man, uh, I got a job for you. So you spent, yeah. tw- you spent, you know, three years there as the assistant coach, recruiting coordinator at Golden West. And, uh, you, you know, then, then you make a decision after the 2015 season. What did you do there?
1: Um, so, I mean, my first season is 2013, um, at Golden West and I'm learning the ropes. Like I know baseball, but I don't really know the college game because I didn't really play it. You know, I'm learning it. Um, 2014 comes around and I, I mean, my value, like, I got coached the outfielders at that point, but my value has always been my, my people skills and my, I think my ability to identify talent and, and talk to people. So I, I you know, Bert that summer I actually got hired to go to Golden West. Um, Corey was coaching there as well. He ended up leaving to go to Fullerton um my my good friend who actually fished at my wedding art lopez was the pitching coach he ends up leaving to take the head coach at harbor so i i inherited more responsibility than probably Bert initially wanted me to um <laughs> but I, you know I, I took the reins with recruiting and you know golden west hadn't you know we hadn't had that much success as a team you know in quite some time and by the time my third year came around um in 2015 we with a lot of freshmen end up winning the oec for only the second time in, in Bert's tenure and things were going in the right direction. And, you know, I, I, I was always going out and, and meeting four-year coaches and wasn't afraid to talk to them. And, you know, I knew I had to make my, a name for myself by, by recruiting. You know, I was the only JC assistant coach going to all five days, of area codes, because I felt I needed to be out there. I needed to know who people were. I needed to not only players, but coaches and, you know, kind of just establish myself and be known and, and, and gain some credibility and, over those first three years at golden west i feel i really did that you know a lot of four-year coaches you know i recommend players in that were good i told pl- coaches when they cross referenced with me that i didn't think coaches were the players were very good and i just i, I gained a, a pretty good reputation and, and people started to to trust me a little bit and that summer was in summer 15 a lot of things were going on with coaching a d at the d1 level there was yeah. a lot of movement going on um and i had my ear to the the ground and kind of knew who the next you know hot coach was and who people thought was going to be possible the next guys and i remember uh the nevada job opened up and me just being me i, I sent a text to, to tj bruce not knowing anything it was like hey man if you end up in reno um i can have my bags packed in a day and he kind of he kind of laughed you know and obviously he placed in close to the vest that so wasn't going to say yeah for sure man i'm applying for the job um the next Two days later, the Pepperdine job opened up and I sent TJ a text again saying, if you end up in Malibu, I can my bags packed in 15 minutes, you know, I just kind (laughs) of, I kind of put myself out there that way. Um, And sure enough, uh, TJ got the job at the end of June. Um, I reached out to him and said, hey, congrats and everything. I know you have to put a staff together. You know, when you get down to the, um, to the point of wanting to hire a volunteer, you know, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, We... He Kind of went, you know. We kept in touch a little bit. You know, I was keeping tabs on his staff. He hired Jake Silverman right away. I knew the next step was for him to hire a, a pitching coach. And when he finally hired Steve Bennett, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, man, I'd love to talk." And we did. And he called me in in August and offered me the job. Um, I said yes. I was engaged at the time, and I said my bachelor party's at the end of the, the end of August. Um, I can be there September 1st. And for, on Friday, I drove out to Vegas. Had my bachelor party. I drove back to Vegas on Sunday, and Monday morning I packed my bags and drove out to Reno by myself with my fiancee here. And yeah, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's quite that's quite the story there, dude. I mean, yeah, you know. So you so you get to spend uh, you know a year there with TJ and 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 Jake and Steve, and, and I mean going from you know high school ball to JUCO ball to D one ball in what four years. I mean that's quite the transition, right? What was that one year like for you there at Nevada?
1: My year at Nevada was invaluable. Um, I, I learned a hell of a lot from TJ as far as, you know, just his baseball acumen and running a practice and running a uh, an organization. Like, you know, when you're a head coach, you're, you're a CEO of a team. And um, <clears throat> I learned a lot from him. He You know our personalities are different you know i was you know he's he was very serious and close to the vest and you know it was about business and i have a little more jovial personality but you know it 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 was big for me to to kind of sit back and watch him do his thing um and yeah man being around that that caliber players you know there was obviously a lot of insecurities on my part because i didn't know if i really belonged you know as far as resume i knew i did you know my knowledge and my capabilities but i knew my resume was not very impressive you know um, so I'm all, always be, you know, indebted to TJ for giving me the opportunity and, and putting that on my resume was was huge for me. Um, and we were out there and my, my wife came out with us and with me in January. We ended up uh, she she got pregnant in, in May and we decided we wanted to raise our family back in SoCal with all, you know, obviously all the support that we have here. And I finished camps that summer um, and, and Bert brought me back on uh, to you know, at Golden West, you know, a a year later.
0: Yeah. And and what what was that transition like? Right. I mean, because you're saying, Hey, thanks Bert, for the opportunity in 2015, you go to Nevada and then, you know, did you call him and say, Hey man, we, we want to come back. And you know, was he welcoming? What what, what was that like?
1: He was, he was very welcoming. So the 2015 team, my last year at Golden West, you know, I said we won the OEC championship for the first time in 11 years. And then that, that 16 team when I was gone was sophomore heavy and it was all guys I had recruited. And so we were in constant contact and they actually ended up being seven outs away from winning the state championship that year. Um, so the success continued on and, you know, we were very much in touch. Um, and when I called Bert and said, Hey, you know, court, court's pregnant and we're going to come back to SoCal. And he was like, whatever you need, like, yeah, we have a job for you. Um, and so when I came back, you know, I had a little more responsibility, Bert allowed me to to, to coach more. And I was able to implement a lot of things I learned at Nevada. Um, he gave me a lot of freedom to, you know, to grow as a coach and gave me more responsibility as far as the program goes. And um, after the 2017 season, two years being back, or 2018 season, two years after being back, you know, there was some phone calls that I received from D1 programs um, to come to see if, if interest of I want to go there. Um, and I had to talk with Bert and I was like, hey man, like, you know, what's your plan? You know, I, I'd, I'd love to be the guy that takes over for you. But you know, I can't, I can't wait five, six, seven years. Like just what's your plan. And he kind of gave me a target date of, Hey, the 2020 season of that, like me and my wife both plan on retiring, you know, and I, I would love for you to take over, you know? And so I made a decision to to stick around and, and do that. And it was a little, it's a little unnerving for my wife, you know, that, you know, cause it's not in writing kind of deal, yeah. but you know, I-, I trusted Bert. I trusted my work. I trusted her AD and, you know i felt that was my best opportunity to become the next head coach at golden west i could have left and taken other jobs at, at division ones and come back two years later but i still feel me being on on campus being seen being known being part of the successes was going to be my best opportunity to to take over for bert
0: yeah and that and your name the head coach on on may 12th you know what uh, a silver lining, I guess, to the to all of this that that we're experiencing right now and losing the spring season. And so, I mean, having you, you knew that it, you know you knew that information had that in your back pocket, so to speak. But still, I mean, there had to be quite the sense of pride when when you know when the announcement finally came out and was made public. And I know that you know you were very gracious to a lot of people on Twitter, and you know one of them was TJ. And and I'm just curious. Could, you know going back to what to what, 2008 when you're you know out of the out of the game and could you have ever envisioned that hey 10 12 years later I'm going to be a head coach at a you know a golden west where you know a program that I quit as a player
1: absolutely not absolutely not it's it's there's been a few moments in, in my you know in my career since 2010 that have you know literally brought me to tears and me me packing up that card by myself, leaving my fiance and my mom and everyone I you know know and love behind for a 10 hour drive to Reno was an emotional time for me, you know, but <clears throat> it was like, it, I, this is the step I need to take, you know, and you know, I literally, I showed up there, I got there at 11 o'clock at night and I met a guy online who's a 27 year old PE teacher and he had a room for rent and I showed up to his house at 11 o'clock and I brought my TV in one bag in, I slept in, <laughs> in the bed. And I woke up next morning and showed up to UNR at 7.30 a.m. and ready right for a coach meeting,
0: you know. So <laughs> that
1: was – it was surreal at that point. And then, you know, even, you know, with the head coaching deal, like I kind of knew it was it was going to happen and it was the plan for me to get it. But when it actually happened and, you know, the article was written, it was, it was an emotional time again, man, because, you know, as any coach here that's done it knows, there's just so much uncertainty, you know. Um, you can do all the right things and still not get the opportunity, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm very appreciative and aware of, of how fortunate i am to have gotten that opportunity because i could have done that exact same work and there's people out there with with better you know resumes quote unquote to me for sure you know but there's the, the school here and admin here has appreciated the work i've done and Bert Bert feels and believes that i'm gonna you know carry on the tradition and the the core values that we have here and yeah, man. So I'm I'm extremely humbled. I'm. It's 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 really cool. Like it's it's just it's neat. It's a really neat thing. And I plan on you know honoring Bert and Coach Hoover, uh, uh, you know, well by by doing doing things right here.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, listen, you you keep going back to the resume piece, right? But I mean, in the end you know, good things happen to good people. And, you know, that, that certainly applies here, uh, because, I mean, you, you've touched on it quite a few times, right? Like you, you established yourself as a recruiter. And I know, I mean, you, you're, constantly texting me names on guys and videos and things like that so I mean it's really evident to me really early on and getting to know you a few years back that you know hell this guy's this guy's a pretty darn he's got a pretty good eye right so let's talk about recruiting right because everybody you know for right wrong or indifferent there's kind of a stigma about jc ball you know out sure. there but I mean jc ball in the state of california is on many levels I mean Comparable to you know some d two, even some d one uh, conferences out there. And so yep. let, let's talk about recruiting to a JC, right? what what are some of the challenges you know obviously that that you face as a as a recruiter to JC? Uh, you know, certainly in the state of California where there's an abundance of players.
1: The biggest challenge by far in recruiting JC is not for me here at Golden West hasn't been the stigma. It's the fact that we have Orange Coast down the road one direction and Cypress down the, road, the other direction and Santa Ana the other direction. And they're all really, really good programs with really, really good history and really, really good coaches, you know. Uh, and that's been the toughest part because, you know, we don't have scholarships to offer, you know, at, at the California JCs. We, we can't do that. So it can't be, you know, we're, you know, at the D1 level. Well, hey, you know. Long Beach State offered me twenty five percent, but Fulton offered me fifty, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. It's literally it's literally about building relationships with these kids and and letting them know one, obviously what you think they can do for you, but most importantly it's what I feel I can do for them. Um and I've I've really for all the team successes we haven't had, we haven't been bad, obviously. We like I said, we playoffs, you know, won an OEC championship, been in the state championship final, but um I I'm very proud of what we've been able to do as far as sending kids on and moving them on, because then when it's all said and done, a kid is going to judge his time at the JC level based off what where he's able to go from there because no kid grew up, you know, spending all their time playing travel ball and no parents spent all their money with the thoughts of going to a JC, you know, and I get that. And um, so I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of them coming here and choosing golden West. And if they work hard for me, I promise to work hard for them. And that also, Beyond developing them, it's about you know being active on on the phones and, and talking to to four year schools.
0: Yeah, and it's it's you know it's the opportunity, right? I mean, because yeah, I, I got to imagine that you know when you're recruiting guys to go play JC ball, that I mean, you're not looking at the guys you know at the, at, at the top of everybody's list, right? I mean, you're I mean, those no. guys that are going to have an abundance of opportunities. So tell me a little bit about that, right? So I mean, how does that work for you? you know what is your approach when it comes to recruiting right because i mean you got eyes i go back to you know our texts and our the videos that you send me I mean, you got yeah. eyes on everybody from these you know the, these top known famous level guys if you will to guys that you know nobody's really heard of that are really good players so what what's the approach that you take when it comes to recruiting
1: so it's, you know, we're, we're looking for, obviously, late bloomers with the D1 game over the last handful of years, moving to, you know, recruiting such a young age. There's a lot of kids that are recruited as, you know, freshmen, some even eighth-grade sophomores. And, you know, if you're not good and you don't develop until you're junior or senior, then there's not a lot of scholarship money available for you, not a lot of roster spots available for you, let alone scholarship money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, if if in, two, if in the year 2000, these D ones were recruiting 14 year olds. Someone would have wasted a lot of money on me. You know what I mean? (laughs) A lot of money on me. And the fact that, you know, kids that end up getting better and better, they're still like, you can be a senior back when we were playing high school and uncommitted and still have a ton of options, you know, but now if you're a senior uncommitted, there are very few and far between, you know, spots. So we look for tools and look for kids that develop later, you know? Um, And we look for kids that just overlook whether it's size, whether it's, you know, they're a little bit slower than somebody else. And, if if you don't have those tools jumping off the page, you have to prove yourself longer. You know, you people can see he's like he's good, but you have to prove yourself longer. If you come to Golden West, if you come to the OEC and you put up numbers there, it matters. It translates. You know, D1 coaches, four year coaches, they understand that putting up numbers in our conference is a legitimate thing, and it's all right. Well, if he can do it there, then he can do it at our level.
0: Yeah and then I mean while you're doing that right I mean I I got to imagine that you have an eye on those dudes that are committed to four year schools because bounce backs play such a huge role in the junior college game right particularly in the OEC where I mean some programs are are built on that right and, and yeah. I, what what's your approach on that when it comes to you know guys that are bouncing back from four year schools and You know, I mean, how are you looking at them maybe differently from a guy, a high school senior that you might be recruiting? So in the summer, you know, in the summer when it comes to recruiting
1: bounce backs, um, we're aggressive. You know, I've been aggressive when I hear about somebody, I'll reach out to them Um, and and, you know, obviously try to get them And those kids. It's the the bounce backs. You know, obviously they have the the talent because they were seen and they went to the division one level out, out of high school um the ones that come back to us a lot of them they have a chip on their shoulder because most of them didn't leave their school um on their own accord you know they were kind of yeah. shown the door and like hey there's not a lot of opportunity here for you it's best you go elsewhere and they they take that you know they they take that as a as a slight you know um and so you're able to get a couple of those guys and in the year they have at the D1 level whether they redshirted or they played and failed it's 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 invaluable experience you know um and it's and so we recruit them. Um, when it comes to the December bounce backs, um, the, the kids get cut or whatever, leave their school at the end of the fall, I'm l I'm I'm way more hesitant to do that because I don't want to take a spot from a kid that I've grinded with, I recruited and I worked hard with in the in the fall to just go and say, Hey, you're you're my guy, but now this kid's here, I'm gonna let him come and play. If there's a glaring need positionally, then then yeah, you know, we'll address it for the sake of the team. And when it comes to pitchers, you can never have enough of that. But you know, there's been years, the last couple of years, like, hey, so and so will call me, like, hey, we're like go of this third baseman, you you might want to get on him, and I talked to Bert, I'm like, hey, we like we have there, like, do we want to? And we're like, no, we're not going to do it. Like, he's better off going and playing somewhere else, you know. So, I, I try to show loyalty to kids to show loyalty to me, and it's hurt us in the past. We haven't always been as deep as some some other programs because I, you know, we've identified talent and I want to ride out with them. You know, I want to be a part of their journey of getting them to the next level and. If I'm just going to kick them the curb for the next bounce back, you know, then I, I don't feel I'm doing this job for the right reason. And we have a real unique, we have a real unique job as a JC coach. You know what I mean? We, we don't have to win to keep our job. We just don't. It's just a matter. It's just, it is what it is. You know, you know, uh, you know, you can, you can be under 500 multiple years in a row and not be fired because you're still getting, you're running a clean program. You're getting kids moved on you're doing things like that, you know, and obviously we're here, we want to compete, we want to win, that's where competitors, but my number one job is to develop these kids and get them moved on, and the most gratifying part of my job is seeing the kid that had zero offers out of high school, you know, I I have, I have three stories, I won't go into all of them, but I have three stories that stick out that, of kids that no one wanted, and they came to us, and over a year or two got a hell of a lot better, and ended up in places they could have never imagined and dreamed, and That's the best part of my job by far.
0: Well, maybe don't give us all three, but give us one of those. I can give you, I'll give you two of them. I mean, I can give
1: you all three, but so the first one, um, we had a kid, Chris Williams came to us from Garden Grove High School, a catcher, no one in 2015, no one knew who he was. Um, He came to us, he could really hit, he could really throw. He was just at Garden Grove High School and wasn't big in the travel ball scene. Comes to us year one and he is a, he's the player of the year in the conference. He's an all-state catcher. At the end of that summer, after one year with us, he went to Clemson on a big scholarship and started there for three years and hit 40 career home runs and with Seth's beards, you know, Seth Beard's protection lineup. And he's playing pro ball, with the twins, you know, um, that's, that's the least of the cool ones because the best one is a kid named Tyler DePretta who actually got on our radar and he graduated high school in 2014 uh, and Got on our radar in two thousand in the October of 2014. So he was already in college. He was taking classes at Saddleback. He was playing some Sunday league. Um, he was playing Sunday league, uh, an adult, like 18U league. Unreal. And another name, Corey Vanderhoek, was coaching a Titans team at that time. Called me and said, hey, I just saw a kid who had pretty good hands. Can't I don't know if he can hit much, but it's worth a call. So I called the kid. He came out to one of our fall games, um, took BP in the cage. It was like, eh took some BP in, uh, in the, on the field, like, yeah, and he filled the one ground ball in and out, and we were like, I was like, absolutely, like, you're coming. He ended up starting 36 or 40 games for us that year, hitting a buck 90, but played the hell of a shortstop. His sophomore year, actually, was when I went to Nevada. Um, but that year, he hit, like, 280, ended up winning the gold glove for the, the California, Oregon, Washington, JCs, got a scholarship to Houston Baptist, and as a senior, that kid won the gold glove, for division one baseball
0: Wow, he
1: had nine varsity at bats at wow. high school nine wow. varsity at bats he's playing pro ball at the rangers and then finally uh, the last one a quick story the kid jeremiah vison five foot four 120 pounds out of western high school was a shortstop couldn't play shortstop but he can really run We put him in center field two years later he's five four 135 pounds committed to abilene christian and he doesn't go there because the Dodgers drafted him in the 35th round because he went to the workout and ran a six one three, like those are, those are kids that had no chance of playing baseball after high school, you know, and they're all playing pro ball.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just like further proof of the opportunity that JC ball provides, right? And and that's yeah. uh, it's ultimately what it is, right? And, and you talked about you know guys that you know potentially are are underlooked, undersized, maybe a, a you know a step slow, but. It also goes to like the mental maturity of some guys too, right? I mean, some guys just aren't ready to go to a big four-year school.
1: There's a lot of kids like me, the player that were good just because they were good and they weren't, they didn't know what the work it took to be better, you know, and credit to a lot of them. They have the work ethic and they want to do it. And it's a kick in the slap in the face when you're the shortstop growing up in high school. I mean, in you know, little league and travel ball and, in high school and you're all league and you're like well welcome no one wants me it's like well because a lot of people are really good so if you need to come now to you know to jc and work on the deficiencies that you have and some kids don't and they end up out of the game like me and a lot of others and some do and they end up having long careers whether it's just a four-year school or it's four-year-old them pro ball, and you know they have to. At that point, it's all on them. You know, mom and dad aren't paying and taking driving them to places. You know, it's it's what they want to get out of the game, and and a lot of them want to get more out of it, and they're willing to work. And it's 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 a lot of fun to be a part of the process. It really is.
0: You you've touched on it a few times with the travel ball, the summer circuit, right? How much of that do you spend? You know, how much time do you spend recruiting that? Um,
1: I so I I've, I've been working with GBG since two thousand fourteen. Um, So, uh, you know, I've been coaching games in the summer to make ends meet, you know, and then the fall. So I, I have a good tab on them. I don't really actively recruit kids uh, in the summer like that because most kids, they're looking for four years' opportunities still, right? They don't really want to face the reality a year out that I might go to a JC. So, you know, I'll, I'll touch base and reach out to them and things like that and, and let them know that I know who they are. But, you know, I'll keep monitoring them and then, you know, come, you know, some kids in the fall maybe because. Coach Hudding at Cypress is making me move quicker because he's he's all over it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's good at it. He's all over the Wintro League. So he's making me work harder and earlier. So that's fine. But, you know, I get aggressive with them in the spring, you know, and, and really, you know, dive into the, you know, what we can offer them and what I think um, you know, the, what they could do with the J C career, whether it's one year or two years, and you know, at that point it gets a little more aggressive. But most kids, you know, they, they want to wait as long as possible and they they won't commit till May or June or whatever it may be you know so it's 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 tedious you got to stay on them you know you have to you know let them know that they're important and that you want them and that's the tough part of my if our job as JC coaches that my wife hates is that not only are we on the phone recruiting a bunch we're on the phone getting our kids placed so it's 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 nonstop man.
0: Yeah. And you you talked about that, like coming to, you know, the player coming to the reality that they might be headed to a J.C. What are those conversations like? I'm curious, you know, like, you know, everybody wants to everybody wants to go to the Power Five school, right? Or everybody wants to go to, you know, the Big West or, you know, whatever it might be. But the reality is that not everybody is going to go to that, obviously. So what are those conversations like when, you know, you pick up the phone and call a kid for the first time who maybe had never considered a J.C.?
1: Yeah, um, I, I try to be as honest as I can and, and comp them to players I've had in the past that have similar profiles of them, and let them know what they did, you know, as far as when they came to Golden West and where they ended up. Um, and you know, I, I try not to BS kids, man. Like I, I don't want, I don't, I don't want the responsibility of telling a kid, hey, man, you can go to you can go to USC, you know, when I know he can't. But I get him here, and then he's not a USC player, and he, but he still wants me to call USC. You know, I tell kids all the time, like, I'll do whatever I can to help you move on except lie for you. Because if I lie for you or if I embellish, it hurts my reputation. It hurts your development. And then that school is now worse off that I sent you to knowing knowing good and damn well you couldn't play there. You know, and if not all of them agree with where I think they can play. But I go, hey, man, you're free to email anybody you want. And when they call me, I'm going to be honest with them. You know, that I think you're this. I think you're that. You know, um, <clears throat> but it's it's. It's tough, you know, because everyone wants to – the worst part is they see players they grew up with that they think they're equal to, and then they – well, that kid's there. Why am I not there? And I tell them all the time, sometimes coaches are wrong. It's just that simple. Like, we try to do the best we can at all levels, you know, and sometimes we're wrong. You know what I mean? Um, But I try to guide them on what they're looking for. You know, it's like, hey, do you want to go to ASU? Is that what you want to do? Then we can do that, but maybe you're going to be a platoon player with with 60 at-bats. Or do you want to go be the guy at this mid-major, you know, shorts that you're the guy in the mid-major that you're going to get 250 bats? Because a jo- having a job to lose, it's your job to lose, is a lot different than it's your job to go win, you know? And so, you know, people, kids have to figure out what they want. Is it the allure of the power five? Is it the allure of the, the sexy school? Or is it I want to go and get as many bats as I can and compete? Yeah, I mean... And I have to help them out that.
0: Yeah. And and it's, I mean, it's the development, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing to go to, like you said, go to a power five and, you know get 50 60 at bats during a season or go to a different school and get 250 to 300 at bats and yeah i mean you're going to enjoy your time i mean look every, everybody plays the game because they want to compete and they love it right i mean there's no there's no joy in in getting 50 at bats over the course of a 60 game season right hey I mean, man if,
1: if a kid says hey man i want to coach if asu wants me i want to go there because i want to enjoy that campus life i want to go to football games i want a chance to go to omaha and if I get to say I was on an Omaha wing team and I'm, you know, a defensive replacement a pinch runner, then I'm okay with that. Then then I'll, I will do that. You know what I mean? Then I mm-hmm. want them to know, I always want to know what they want out of their college experience. And most kids it ends up being, I want to play. So then we have to go find avenues of, all right, this school has that need. This school has that need. What, what do you want to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's you know? awesome. Hey, let, let, let's shift gears a little bit, Drew, and let's talk about leadership, right? Because you, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's really tricky at a JC level, right, to kind of uh, how you go about cultivating leadership, given that you have these guys for one, two, and on the off chance, maybe three years if a kid redshirts. So what sorts of things do you guys do at Golden West? I mean, you know, obviously going back to the time where you were an assistant there, uh, you know, to kind of cultivate that leadership within your program. So...
1: We, I mean, it's going to be a learning curve for me becoming the head coach. We had a pretty good relationship, Bert and I, um, working together where, you know, he, I'm just by nature, I'm not a yeller, I'm not a screamer. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with 18, 19 year olds that I'm going to coach. I'm going to tell them what I feel they need to do. But at the end of the day, they're going to get out of this what they want to get out of it. You know, we have everything in place that so they want to be successful, whether it's academics, it's in the weight room, it's on the field. And I'm going to push them and I'm going to talk to them like men because I don't think I'm going to get much out of them by being down their throat, demeaning them. Like, I don't. I don't, I didn't respond well to that and I don't think these kids of this generation do, you know, but Bert, you know, if he had to yell and scream and, and, and lights your ass on fire a little bit, he would, you know, um, and it was a good balance and with, with me taking over, it's, we're not going to have that element probably, but I'm going to push kids to look in the mirror and get, you know, let them know that at the end of the day, when you go home, what you got out of today is because of what you put into it. And if you can look at me, I, I asked the team last year, we were going, through, we were talented You know, we had we have eight kids. uh, We have eight kids going to Division One from last year's team. um, Another one going to D two. And at one point, we were you know three games under five hundred. And I called them up and I said, "Hey, look, man. Like, if if we're struggling because of something, we're not giving you the staff. Let me know right now. Like, stand up, raise your hand, tell me we need more of from of this out of you guys as a coaching staff, and we'll do it. And none of them could." You know, and that's that's all we can do is is provide the facility to to be successful and to be great. And it, it's at the end of the day, it's what they want to get out of it. And I tell them like, look at yourself in the mirror, man. If you go home and you're mad at how the day went, go figure out why it was. You know, um, and come back and talk to me. Um, my phone's always open, whether it's baseball, whether it's real life, whether it's school. Like uh, these kids have to know I care for them and love them, and I do feel I've done a good job at, at doing that over the years, and that's what I'm continuing to do.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really interesting there. I mean, you call them up and you know, what was their reaction? I mean, what was their response? They,
1: they, so we were sophomore heavy and their response was no, like it's, it's not like, and we we need to figure it out. And maybe we, they suggested one thing practice wise and we did it. It was a simple fix, you know? Um, And it's, that's just what it is. It's, It's, it's accountability, which a lot of people lack. And it's very easy to say, that we didn't do this because so and so, or I didn't get to do this because of so and so. And you know, I, I'm I'm gonna call kids to the the, the table and be like, look, tell me why, what, why? And they they never can, you know, they never can. And it's it's good. It's really they some some respond to it well, some shut down. And you know, it, it is what it is. You know, we I have responsibility to the, the 35, 40 kids here uh, that are on this on the stat or the roster, and. You know, it, no matter how talented you are, if you're not going to put in the work and you don't want the same thing that we all want, then, you know, it's it's best you go find somewhere else to play.
0: And, you, you know, you talked about, you know, kids these days kind of struggle maybe a little bit with that accountability piece. But how do you safeguard against, you know, forcing leadership upon players? Oh, well,
1: We don't. We, 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 we've we been lucky that, you know, at, at our level, I feel the best teams like the 2016 team we had to go in the West. It was sophomore heavy. We had a lot of we had sophomores. They got a lot of at bats as freshmen, you know. And you're able to if when you have somebody who's your best player and he's also your hardest worker, which for that team was Dylan Persinger, like it it just it resonates, you know. If what you get one or two guys that are good and also work hard, the other guys who aren't as good as them and know it, they see the work ethic and it just kind of it manifests itself. Um, and you know we, we rely heavily on on our players, man. There's plenty of times where I'll these last years. I'll call a guy up. Hey, come here. And I'm like, we need this. And it's, it means more coming from, you know, a a, a peer that's, that's a leader that's talented, who you know is good. And, you know, some guys that are really good, aren't built for that, you know, and then we don't rely on them for that. We can have a guy hitting 450, our best player, but he's not a vocal leader. He's not a, he does his, his work and does his business, but you know, that's comes with evaluating people and personalities and seeing, you know, what buttons to push with who.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So you you had that opportunity, you know, last year. Then this spring, you know, COVID hits and the cancellation of the season. And so for you, what's been what's been the biggest challenge for you, you know, with the cancellation of this spring season? Um, well, the biggest thing is just personally.
1: Like I, I I was sad to be cut short of at least eighteen games with my guys. Um, we were really close in that group, but. The biggest thing is it'll as long as I live, it'll never sit well with me that that Bert's career was was ended on a random Wednesday walk off walk against Fullerton, and he never was able to get his proper send off. You know, it was it, it, that's just not going to sit well with me. Thirty, he was here for thirty two years as a head coach. He was here as an assistant for three years, and he played here for two years. He was here for thirty eight years of his so far fifty seven years on earth. Wow. So that's been the hardest part for me personally, um, as far as baseball goes. It. It really, it. <laughs> I had to be really aggressive and creative when it cam, came to get our guys placed. You know, we had a couple kids that, when it when all this went down, they had multiple conversations with with Power Five schools. Um, and then when all this hit, those Power Five schools had no longer had a need for them. You know, and those kids talked about what they should do, and you know, should they come back like another year? And I was like, obviously, it would be good if you did, but you're you're ready to move on. Like you have. You're ready to go baseball-wise. You're ready to go academically. Like, I don't need you to come back here. I want you to move on. And it, it forced me to make phone calls across the country, you know. And I got in contact with coaches I had never gotten in contact with before, you know, um, and was able to, to to place them, you know. And that was a grind. Uh, but, you know, I'm glad to get it all done. And as far as recruiting goes, you know, you know uh, we get a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails and video over the years. And I use those video to – pique my interest and if i like a kid then i'll go see him a couple few times unfortunately we're having to rely on video a lot more and our roster is going to be bigger than it ever has been before this fall just because there's more kids that need a place to play you know and it's going to be highly competitive and there's going to be some kids that traditionally would have been good players for us that are probably going to end up registering or looking for a home elsewhere because we're just there's too many too many players and not not no spaces you know
0: Yeah, and it's going to be my next question is, you know, that's that's kind of the the consensus from everybody, whether it's D1 coaches, D2 coaches that I talk to about, you know, the JC ball in California the next few years is going to be elevated, right? I mean, it's already pretty darn good competition. Mm -hmm. and, And it's just going to be elevated because there's going to be a lot of guys who would not otherwise be on a JC campus playing on a JC campus. So, you know how do you manage that, right? I mean, because the draft is coming up here. What next week? or Yeah, next week. And there's going to be guys who maybe would have gone to you know signed pro contracts who maybe decide, hey, I don't want to go commit three years to a to a four year school and decide, hey, they call you up, hey Drew, you got a spot for me? I mean, you, I gotta it's, I gotta imagine that some of those guys you're going to say yes to.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be, it's it's gonna make me sick. Like I literally already like I've I've. <laughs> I've had the last month, month and a half, five 5D1s five call me about hey, we're letting go of this shortstop or this third baseman and I can't bring them all on. Like I've had to go look, do look video and really interview the coaches like what what are they and reach out to two of them. You know what I mean kind of deal. Uh-huh. Like I I can't, you know, I, the biggest thing for these kids is to play. It just it is. Like I don't I'm not I'm not you know, conceited enough or, you know, whatever, think highly of myself to think you're better off being on my bench than you are playing. You know, <laughs> like most of these kids that are coming back from D1s, they didn't play a lot this year. So they don't need to come to my place if I got someone there who I think is better than them and then sit for two years, you know. And I'll, there's some really good kids that I'm having to not, there's never been a year before where I've been, I've got a phone call from a coach about a shortstop and me say, I'm not going to call him. Like <laughs> it never happened. It never happened. And there's been a couple that I have not reached out to because we just don't need have a need for it right now. Um, and I'm trying to stay as true I, to my word as I can to the kids that I've recruited, and they've committed to me already, and not just ransack them, you know. And it's 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 a it's a tough juxt- it's a tough balancing act of you know doing what's best for Golden West in terms of winning games and what's best for Golden West in terms of you know in the people we want to be and you know helping the kids we want to help, you know. And it's, it's a tough spot, man. It, it really is. don't feel bad for me don't feel bad for me but it's it's tough
0: no I I, I don't feel bad for you I mean I know I know what you're saying right I mean you're 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 it feels bad because you're coming from a good place right I mean like you said you don't want guys to come sit for two years when you know like you said they need to play and so I mean do you think that this is this this cancellation of the spring season this virus this you know all this madness that we're seeing do you think? That it'll lead to changes on uh, you know in the college game or or what sort of lasting impact will it have aside from, you know obviously the the guys that we just talked about who you know may be displaced and and looking for a spot.
1: I mean, it's it's obviously going to affect the caliber of players because you know I've I've spoken for the next couple two three years like I've spoken to a few D ones that say, hey, when school starts in September we're going to have between 20 and 24 kids with four years of eligibility left. So, Hmm. you know, if you have between the 2019 and 2020, so when it comes to next spring, I don't know how active all schools are going to be when it comes to recruiting JC's, because they're going to be so impacted with young guys already. Obviously, if you're a big arm, you're always going to find a home. If you're a shortstop that can really play shortstop, you're going to find a home. But if you're a, if you're a right, right third baseman who hits 370 for us and whatever i still don't know if there's a glaring need for you to next level uh, next year you know so there's going to be kids that are going to put up really good, big numbers and you know be really good and we're going to have to get creative again on where we find them to play the, the normal phone calls of the big west and mountain west who we always make our first phone calls to those schools might be are going to be impacted so it's going to be me expanding my you know database and calling kit or schools from away and some kids that are ready to leave it for next year may end up coming back again. So it's just going to lead to overcrowding. And, you know, I think the D2 are going to get a lot better. I think the NIA is going to get better. You know, it's just going to be it, – baseball is going to be better because pro ball is getting rid of so many people.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Golly. How about that? And yeah. one, one last question, Drew, for you is, is, do you think that the California JUCOs will ever get to the point where – you know, like the NJCCAA or how many ever A's there are, you know, where there are scholarship opportunities?
1: Uh, no, but a lot of schools in the state, um, including ours, have a, a, a free tuition program. Um, ours is called the Golden Promise. And the way that works is any, any California uh, high school graduate who is going to college for the first time, um, you apply for financial aid, and if you receive the financial aid, then obviously the, the state takes care of it. But if you don't, we take care of it. And so you can come here for two years with your tuition paid for, with your books paid for, and with your parking pass paid for. But we're never going to offer scholarships because we're not going to want to offer incentive for kids out of the state to come in per se. You know, If you're, if you're South Idaho and you can only recruit kids from Idaho, you're not going to be very good, obviously. So those schools need the scholarships to attract the kid from Arizona, to attract the kid from California. But us, we're so inundated with talent, we don't need it. But the fact that the kids from California can go to school for free, I think is really going to be a huge thing for us. You know, because if you're looking at spend even you know a 25% scholarship to wherever it may be, that you know depending where it is, that could still be 45 grand out of your pocket. Yeah. You know, or you can come to Golden West for two years for free, get better, and now if you won't go to that same school possibly on a 25% scholarship, it's only for a year or two instead of four years. Or you can get exponentially better, and now you're going to a different school. You know what I mean? So it's finances are a real thing, especially in the economy right now. And if people have opportunity to come and keep playing baseball and go to school for free, I think more people are going to want to want to do that and look into it. So it's going to benefit us in terms of, of, of talent-wise. So I, I think we're going to be – I don't know if schol- scholarships won't happen in California, but this is our version of it
0: yeah man i wish that program was around when i was in the jc because <laughs> yeah, man, i mean it was pretty cheap back then but still yeah, what, 11 12 bucks
1: for us back then yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i think was, yeah i think
0: it was like yeah 11 bucks a unit or something but uh yeah something like that but but hey uh before i let you go drew we do uh you know a little fun way to end the show is our our uh, you know our podcast rapid fire so I'm going oh, to I'm, I'm fire, I'm going to fire, I'm going to put you on the spot here, man. And, uh, oh, boy, and, and ask you about a dozen questions or so. And, and just first thing <laughs> that come, first thing that comes to mind, uh, you know, just, just, just rattle it off, dude. So let's do it. All right, here we go. Small ball or gorilla ball,
1: uh, gorilla ball,
0: rap or hip hop, hip hop, Costco or Sam's club, Costco in and out or five guys in and out college football or the NFL college football. Track man or Rapsodo. Rapsodo. Favorite vacation spot. Hawaii. Cable or stream. Cable. Mac or PC. Mac. Best singer on your team.
1: Oh God, I have no idea. We have we have such a new team. Um, <laughs> what best one ever is Nathan Benna. He was here two years ago.
0: Okay. Best dancer on the team. Me. favorite stadium you've ever been in
1: oh uh old yankee stadium
0: go-to song to sing in the shower
1: oh man um probably something from nsync or timberlake oh dude you're (laughs)
0: crushing me (laughs) favorite sports team
1: favorite sports team yeah uh dodgers
0: most memorable team you played on
1: I uh, would have for sure been my senior year at Poly.
0: Most memorable team you've been a part of as a coach?
1: Um, My the 2015 team with the wrestlers that won the, the OEC.
0: Awesome. Well, Drew, man, that, that was that was awesome. Great conversation, man. I really appreciate your openness and willingness to share your story. I think it's an awesome story. And so, man, I can't thank you enough for, for hopping on the podcast with me.
1: Thank you, Les. I really appreciate it, man. Keep doing good work. All right,
0: buddy. I hope to see you soon. Will do. I'd like to thank Golden West College head coach Drew Ramos for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news and information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.